Well, hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Twisted Tales with Faith and Lisa. And it is officially soup season. Uh, we're getting there. Nope. Of course, now that you're saying this, it'll be, what, two weeks from now? Yeah, now it's going to be like 100 degrees. But it's fall, guys. Feels like it. As soon as the pumpkin spice comes up, which, unpopular opinion, I hate. Um, Agreed. I, like, I look forward to eggnog. I do like, ugh. I like pumpkin bread. Oh, yeah. 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 So, anyways, this is us tonight. I'm just going to warn you, I don't have a lot of preamble because uh, my mind has been ruined. <laughs> Uh-oh. So, um, Lisa does not know this yet. Just to preface everyone with a, I'm sorry, and it'll be okay. This is going to be a two-part episode. Oh, okay. So, my promise to our listeners is, it'll only be 24 hours till you hear the second part. Unfortunately, Lisa will not get that same treatment, because we're recording early. So, she's going to be on the honor system, not to look up the rest of the case. Uh... However, I can also almost guarantee... Lisa's going to want nothing to do with the research on this, so we're okay. I already have it researched and typed out. But with the kids' birthday party this weekend, uh, you know, it'll be a few days before Lisa gets the rest. I am not. I don't like you. But in my defense, I believe it was after our last recording, Lisa said, Hey, we haven't done any serial killers. Oh. Therefore. Well, no, it's not that we haven't done serial killers. We just haven't done, like... You know, the, the piggy guy was the only one that we yeah. really did. Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. <laughs> Smelly Willy. Smelly Willy. So, in your recollection, Lisa, what is the worst serial killer you've ever heard of? In your opinion. In my opinion. In your opinion. It doesn't have to be like There's the media. So many. The worst you've ever heard of. I kind of have a toss up. That's fine. There was a guy from India who was mutilating children. That's, that's that's not good. And I was not not in love with that. It was actually I was on a documentary I was watching, and I had to fast forward it. It got a bit too much for me. Like mm. I couldn't. And um, oh man, I don't know. H. H. Holmes was a sick man. Okay. Fictitiously, what is the worst serial killer? Shows, movies, worst one you've ever seen or watched? Fictitiously. Yeah, like you know, Saw, Chainsaw Massacre, Jason. I don't know. I don't really get into all that kind. Let me think for a second. Probably okay. Hannibal Lecter. Okay. All right. Well, none of those hold the candle okay. to the serial killer I'm about to tell you about. How this is not a household name, I don't know. I had another story that I was going to tell, and I was going through my spreadsheet updating it. Nice. Future, you know, whatnot. And something on this one caught my eye, and I was like, oh, I don't really remember this. And then I went to the the stuff I'd saved, and I was like, I'm going to switch to this. Lisa just said she wanted a serial killer, and I regret my life choices, but that's where we're at. So this is my fault. A hundred percent. Okay, cool. So we're going to jump into it um, just before we start. And this is a true crime podcast. You all know why you're here, right? Right. We're all aware. Um, it's It's explicitly rated. I don't give trigger warnings often. I'm going to give a trigger warning tonight. My trigger warning is all of them. If you have a trigger, it is going to be in part one or part two of this story. Any trigger. You got one. We're going to hit it. It's okay. it's the most horrific, mind-boggling, grotesque, offensive, and graphic that I've ever gotten. Most of what I will talk about are going to be direct quotes from people. Oh, 
So just to um, just to tell you how bad this is, just to give you guys a little glimpse that I'm not I'm not just saying it because I will say language in this the next two episodes that I usually don't say on air because I'm reading direct statement. Um, if racial words trigger you, tune out. Tonight's episode won't be that bad. Part two will be. Um, are you this... going to drop really bad racial slurs? No, I will not do that. Okay. But uh, they are in it. Oh, I'll bet. Um, okay. That is the one thing I'll edit because I don't feel like that's necessary. But just to tell you how bad, how bad this is, this guy was part of the pen pal program in prison. He did the pen pal program, right? There is more than one account of people who were pen pals with him and also pen pals with Richard Ramirez, okay. the Night Stalker, and said they had to stop being pen pals with this guy because his letters were so disturbing that they were just going to stick with the Night Stalker. Wow. That's who we're dealing with. And it's not a well, like, it's not household name like Dahmer or Richard Ramirez. Right. And it's wowzers. So I'm going to set a foundation okay. tonight. I'm going to give you the background story of this this family. And um, as bad as it is, we're not touching the surface with how bad it's going to get. So if you can't handle tonight, skip part two. Go with God. If you can stomach tonight, part two, 24 hours. So let's go. Yay. Um, I want to tell you a story about a family here. Lay the foundation. And spoiler alert, it's not a happy household. Yeah. You can, you know. Shocker. Um, I want to introduce you to the Jablowski family. Okay. Have you ever heard of him? Didn't think so. It uh, sh- Mind-blowing that this is not like a Dahmer-level knowledge. But anyway, um, this family was the poorest family in a poor section. So when you already live in a poor section and you're the poorest, you're already at the bottom level, right? Um, everyone in the area that knew the family described the father in pretty much the same way. But here's a few quotes, direct quotes from people. He's a brutal, gun-carrying alcoholic who regu- regularly abused his wife and children and was horrible to animals. He was the meanest man I've ever met. This was stated from an adult who wasn't brave enough to say that until 50 years after he knew this man. Terrified. Um... He ran over my puppy and didn't even bother to stop when I was a kid. Which, let me say, I witnessed that once. Like, not this one, but I witnessed someone hitting a family's dog on Pellissippi. Like, not Pellissippi, but by Pellissippi College. Mm-hmm. And just drove off. It was the most horrible. Like, I can still hear the sounds of that dog and those children screaming. And the guy just kept driving. Nice. Um, so, if that doesn't tell you what kind of guy we're dealing with... He was also known that if you had a cat in the neighborhood and it walked onto his his lot, his his yard, he'd shoot it with a shotgun in front of your face. Didn't matter, you were right there, still on the cat, in front of you. Mm. So real gem of a guy. Um, just a just this this is this is the head of our household, if you will. So the uh, the rest of the family considered of one very very poor mother and three children. The oldest child was Philip. They had a middle daughter named Patsy and the youngest boy named Albert. And their household was horrific. It's not the worst childhood I've ever heard of, but it's right along there with it. Um, and while there are varying accounts of the childhood stated from the different kids, they all had their own way that they saw their childhood. It, it's 
very well known that their father was a piece of human garbage. And um, I think in a lot of this, which feel free to tell me your opinion. I think some of it may be over embellished, especially when he gets to writing his letters. But there is a core of truth in a lot of this. Oh, I'll bet. And there's there's some other things, but we'll talk about when we get there. So let's start with Patsy, the middle the middle child who was the only girl. Um, she described her brothers, Philip, the oldest, as a very quiet boy, and Albert, the youngest, was a goody goody. He was the one in the family that would try to please their father. Didn't want to give their father a reason to be angry with them. Just constantly trying to like do the best, basically. And I think I think that is a part of why Albert is the one who has a very different narrative of how their childhood was. But I think that's why his childhood was very different. He was the baby, mm-hmm. and he was a goody goody and always strive to be yes. So Patsy stated that um, her father was an abusive alcoholic who beat the shit out of his wife and kids, called his wife and daughter whores instead of their name, beat them repetitively and daily. And if all that's not bad enough, and again, I'm, I'm going to apologize several times this episode. I'm sorry. Apparently her father had the habit of if he was walking by Patsy or she was walking by him, he'd just grab her breasts and copy Phil. But uh, he didn't just stop there. He did it to her school friends, too, when they'd come to the house. Oh, my God. To where eventually she had no friends. They would not come to her house. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So um, Patsy also stated that she could hear um, her father having sex with her mom and beating her and choking her, her gasping, begging for air, begging him to stop, obviously against her will. And, and okay, pause. Break in Patsy's story. I am telling you all this horrificness to set up, wh- not why, but it's going to explain a lot in part two, and there's a lot of patterns you're going to see. Because there's some questionable, and there's some unsolved, and if we look at all these patterns that we see in this childhood, we're going to see a lot of the same things. So I really can't, like at this point, based solely on what you're saying, I'm surprised the woman just didn't wait for him to go to sleep one night and put a bullet in his face. Or stab him with a kitchen knife. Hello, Lorena Bobbitt. We just discussed her. I know. I don't I'm just see. Saying. Yeah. So, like, if you're that poor and you have nowhere else to go, at least you get some free meals in prison. I'm just saying. Right. But do you want to leave your kids alone with this monster? No, he'd be dead. Oh, true. True statement. So there you go. I'm just saying. Patsy also stated that her brother Philip. The oldest was the most frequently beaten out of the three children, taking the brunt of his father's emotions and anger. A lot of the time, this is because when his father was beating the mother, Philip would get in between them and try to protect his mom, incurring the father's wrath, where the father just beat the crap out of the kid. But he was legit. the ages at this point? You know, and it doesn't, this is all young. This is all pre-middle school. This is all like young, young. They give some ages later. So even but, at a young age, the kid yes. had balls of steel. Yes. he. Unfortunately, yes, he did. Um, so because he'd get in between, his father would beat him more. The kids would often run away and hide when their father was in these drunken anger, angry. Um, they, they'd hide until he calmed down. This was so typical of their family environment that their mother had a signal she would give so the kids knew it was safe to come home. Like, they wow. would stay out at night, hide until, like, she flicked the porch, like, three times. And that, that meant they, they knew 
they could come home and not get beat. She'd already taken it, basically. Wow. So this is this is the environment. This is this is how we're growing up. The violence that within the family was stated to be a daily occurrence. Police were brought to the house on regular basis. But unfortunately, this story is in the United States in the early 1950s. And it was unacceptable for a man to beat his wife and kids, you know, help them with their behaviors and their attitudes. Right. Completely, completely standard behavior. So... As stated previously from people's comments, he was a gun-toting maniac. Um, so he was known to have a gun all the time with him. And as he would yell at his children and beat them in his fists of ang- in fits of anger, he'd also brandish this gun, waving it in their faces while he's drunk and screaming at them. And he's telling them things like, I wish you were dead. You didn't deserve to be born. You should just die. Screaming angry drunk, beating them, holding an, a gun to their face. And the cherry on top, he was said to be overly cruel to animals, like Pixton-style slaughtering animals for pleasure. There wasn't one good thing said about this man. Right. Not one. So if this, if this childhood and household isn't tragic enough, I mean, really. Right. Could it, could it be worse? Uh, no, it doesn't really sound like it. It could. Right. It could. Because according, um, according to Patsy, Phil was sexually molested by a neighbor named Harold when he was around four or five years old. The same neighbor that had molested her as well. In her statement, she said that there were two neighborhood children, Dell and Janice Redrick, who were present when they were molested by this man named Harold. Now, here's where the varying accounts come in. Because 25 years later, after the fact, Janice Redrick, the little girl that was supposedly there, it was she wasn't related to the man. They were kids playing, and he molested her and then molested her for her 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 brother. So Janice Redrick would later state that she did not know of abuse going on in in this household, the Jablowski household. She didn't know of any beatings or abuse. There was just a lot of screaming. Wonder why they were screaming, Janice. Um, she also said that neighbor Harold that Patsy accused of molesting in one of her statements basically made it seem like all the parents in the neighborhoods cautioned their kids against going near him. He was that funny guy, you know? Yeah. She said that wasn't true. Nobody nobody classified him that way and she did not she was never present for any any time when um Patsy or Philip were molested. Now, I've listened to a lot of a lot of recounts of this and a lot of different theories on this. And the the most commonly thought of, which I can see, is number one, Philip was molested by this kid when he was four or five, and then Patsy was molested when she was older. So after Philip was molested, because she was younger than him, they're young. So who you play with when you're older and remember, your mind can trick into thinking that's who was there for that event. Yeah. It's also a horrific trauma when you're molested that young. Absolutely. And your brain is going to try to protect you as much as possible. So maybe it wasn't Harold, but a different neighbor. Maybe it wasn't those two kids named, but different kids. But I do think that these kids were abused by someone in that neighborhood. Um, so anyways, um, there's that. We don't know whose story's true, but I think something happened. Now, because Philip at this point is very angry, from constant abuse, from at least physical and emotional and verbal abuse from his father. I mean, truth be told, if they, like, with as bad as their childhood was, why would you lump that in? Yeah. Like, you need more Like, you need more, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. 
So, um, Philip, he has no, he's a child still. He's a, he's, he's middle school. He has no control of anything. He's being constantly physically, verbally, and emotionally abused. He's trying his best to protect his mom. That's a lot of anger. And unfortunately, according to Patsy, he would take that anger out on his younger siblings. So anytime the parents would leave and Philip would be in charge, he would hit them. He'd beat them. He'd yell at them. Basically, he would fill the father's role that his father usually filled. He perpetuated that behavior that he probably hated so much. Um, but he would also get really upset if they left for a long time. Like if they went to dinner and a movie type of deal or they went away for a weekend. Patsy said Philip would cry the entire time. Like she said he was highly emotional, extreme ups and extremes downs. At one time he was sobbing and she remembered him saying they never loved me. They hate me. That's why they left. Like just sobbing uncontrollable. Um, Albert, the youngest boy, goody, goody, Albert, completely disagrees with everything Patsy said. He said, <laughs> excuse me, their father did not abuse any of them. He just used a belt on them occasionally when they misbehave, which again, 1950s United States of America, you were allowed to actually discipline your kids and spank them. Um, <clears throat> he said that his father did drink beer and was abusive towards their mother. So that part of it was true. He also stated that they did have a neighbor named Harold, but he never attempted to abuse him. And he didn't know of a time that Patsy and Philip were actually molested by this Harold. But again, he was the baby. He was probably more sheltered. He had a different reality. So take that for what you will. Um, so while, while there is different variations of this childhood, um, I think that we can agree and correct me if I'm wrong. Where there's smoke, there's usually fire, and the smoke is pretty thick so far. Something, something's awry. So, so we're going to move on from the childhood, and we're going to talk a little bit about the teen years here. Uh, most people agree that as a teenager, Philip was very shy, very nice. He kept to himself, but was said to be extremely anxious. And he was anxious about everything, which... Well, yeah, in trauma. In the childhood described... Like PTSD. Yeah, exactly. Um, one account from a classmate stated that he was always scared and easily bursted into tears. Another remembered him being very pale and thin, lonely, and said that he cried all the time. Um, so there's... This is multiple... A lot of the stories add up here. There's always crying. There's anxiousness. And there's another, there's another story. Um, one of his, I wouldn't say friends, but someone who hung out with him for a little while in high school said that he, on two different occasions, witnessed Phil and his sister Patsy having sex together. And they thought it was funny, and they'd brag about it, and a real flower in the attic type of situation. Oh, my God. Okay. Um... So this this is okay. <laughs> All right. According according to Philip, um, so I I gave you both two out of the three kids um, their statements and their view on their childhood, but I left out Philip's, um, and that's because I have a letter written from Philip. Um, and again, if you are tuning in late and missed the first part, trigger warnings, all the trigger warnings. We've already hit some, but they're going to get worse. We haven't even gotten to the bad stuff. We're, 
we're tiptoeing in. Like we're going, we started in the shallow and we're wading into the deep end. We're fixing to get mid-level here. But um, again, this is one of the letters Philip wrote while he was in prison. And again, there were people that chose to remain pen pals with the night stalker Richard Ramirez instead of this guy because of his letters. Okay. I'm going to read you the letter exactly as he wrote it. And I'm going to be uncomfortable the whole way through. So, these are, this, is, this is all him. This is not, I mean, if I paraphrase, I'll tell you, but this is the letter that I was able to find. Okay, here we go. When I was five years old, I was molested by my two male cousins who were babysitting me. When I told my dad, he confronted them and he believed them when they stated I made the whole thing up. I got a serious beating for lying. And then when they babysat me again, got it worse. They punished me. They bound me lightly and introduced me to mild torture. And I learned to keep my mouth closed. They passed me around to their friends and older men in the neighborhood. They owned me until I was seven years old. I was not broken yet until I was 12 years old. My dad owned apartments and rented one to a high school teacher. My dad hired him as my tutor hired him as my tutor and I was doing bad in school. During my first tutor session, he locked the door and told me to strip or he would do it for me. He stripped me and made me crawl into the bedroom, slapping my petite butt cheeks with the back of my hand. Again, his words. Um, he told me he's going to sodomize me. After that, he enjoyed me everywhere, but worse, he told me to fuck his son. After that, he was after that he was obsessed with men's dicks. He introduced me then to serious bondage and torture. He this told, was his tutor? This was his tutor his father hired for him when he was 12. And he was an adult male. Yes, he was a teacher at a school. And this boy was 12. Philip was 12 when this happened. Um, so he introduced me to serious bondage and torture. He told me to dress in panties and a bra with foam titty breasts built into them, and how to wear makeup. Only a few Johns requested me to dress like a girl. He pimped me to two men for the night. They used me so bad. They teached me to deep throat a male dick. They give me a serious face fucking. They took my pride from me. I was now totally broken. They took exotic photos of me and tell me if I say anything, they would show them to my parents. The teacher hurt me until I was 14 years old. At 15, I pimped my... So stop. So for two years, this teacher, who was hired to tutor him, raped him and pimped him out to his friend. That's after he was raped and molested by his older male cousins, not believed, beaten, tortured, and pimped out to their other friend. I am at a loss for words right now. And again, we're just tiptoeing into the deep end. We're not even to the deep end. We are tiptoeing. Um, at 15, I pimped myself for the first time. I broke the neighbor's car windshield and went to knock on the door. The wife said her husband was in the guest house. I mowed their lawn and we did their garden for them. And I think that's like he knew them because he did like lawn work to get money. Right. This is an assumption because he doesn't go into depth in it. But he broke their windshield playing outside. So he went to tell the woman he knows them. Um when I knocked on the door to the guest house, he invited me into my doom. He said he was going to have to tell my dad. He didn't, he really didn't want to, 
but I had no way to pay for the windshield. He said if I told my dad, I would get a serious beating because it would take a lot of money to replace the windshield. He said their way, there was a way to avoid beating by my dad. And I'm sorry, the way he, the way he writes is, is childlike. Yes, very much so. So it is, it is very hard to read this, but it's very hard for multiple reasons, but it's hard to read it in a, in a flow. Um, Anyway, he said, let's see, uh, there was, he said there was a way to avoid the beating by my dad. He told me he knew my interest in boy bodies, and if I got into bed with him, I could encourage him not to tell my dad. He said he'd been checking out my ass, he'd been checking my ass out and like how it filled out my pants. He told, uh, he told me he was a man and he was gay and obsessed with Mel Dicks. Philip then stated that um, he had oral sex with this neighbor man and um, they slept together for the first time, describing himself then as this neighbor's loyal, sexy play toy. He went into graphic details for multiple pages about the anal sex they had. Mm. I left that part out. Um, Thank you. Just for brevity, if anything else. But he said he he had me for four months. Four months this kid slept with this adult man to pay for a broken freaking windshield. Four months. What the hell is wrong with people? Oh, we're not even done with the letter. We're still going I, I, in the I know, letter. I'm just there was one like I Google I was when I was researching his letters, there was one person that got a thirty page letter from this man and it is all like this. All right, back to the letter. At 16, I pimped myself again to a fucker I was cuddling for fun. He asked me if I knew where we could find a male prostitute. They wanted to find a male prostitute they could pose and take exotic photos of and have fun through a weekend. I told him that I was a prostitute and agreed to his terms. So this is some guy he's just not really fooling around with. But in, again, 16. Well, at this point. Right? He's um, like freaking programmed to do it. Yes. So, um... I agreed to his terms. When we got to the motel, he opened the door, and I got a big surprise. There were five more men waiting to use me. He then goes into another couple pages describing this gangbang that he he lived through this weekend at this motel. And at the end, he was paid 200 bucks for a service by five grown men. Um, he, he People also, are disgusting, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm like... Here's the deal. Faith, I can't, dude. Feel, Why you always trap me in shit like this? Yeah, and and... There are, you can have a horrific childhood and not be a monster, but can you, are you surprised that Philip turned into a monster? Because I'm not. No, I'm not. But I'm, it's not even just that, though. Like, I'm, I'm still stuck on how any grown man can look at a kid and be like, yeah. that's hot. Yeah. And this kid uh, was- Like, come on, man. And if you, now there are people that are just messed up in the brain, but if you look at the accounts from his sister- and you see how young he admits to things that he did to other people. He learned it somewhere. A. B. Like his his accounts of the teacher um, sodomizing him, forcing him to do oral, telling him to molest his own son, the teacher's son, to rape his young son, talking about dressing him up as a girl, pimping him out. When we get into episode two and you see um, Philip's victim pool, he was taught that there did not need to be discretion when you hurt people. 
And the people that hurt him and the things they made him do, you see all the way through. So, like, you have to under like wonder about the strength of the, of a human brain. It, th- this kid was broken. Truth be told, like, I mean, you know what I mean. This kid got broke. Like, there are people that can be held hostage for ten years and just be numb to it. Right? Yeah, I'm just gonna do what I'm told, and that's the end of it, and I'll die here. Yeah, and people that can be held hostage for ten years and still look for ways to escape, no matter yeah what. Well, it's, it's the perfect example. If you take a potato and put it in boiling water, the potato turns soft. If you put an egg in boiling water, it turns hard. Different thing, same circumstances, but two different, you know what I mean? So two different, people yeah, are realities. different. Yep. And yeah. All right. So um, in this letter, he discussed his childhood things. He stated he um, raped two, sister when, two sisters when he was 10 years old. One of the sisters was nine and the other was four. That was the first time he raped. He stated that when he was 12, he got one of the sisters to help him seduce the other neighbor's nine-year-old son so he could rape him. He said that her best friend and some other guys then later turned around and raped his mother. And this is a direct quote. They all talked about fucking my mother in her huge ass. Whose mother? His mother. Philip's mother. They Philip raped his own mother? No. The... the the girls that he raped the two sisters, the 10 year old and the four year old or the nine year old and four year old when he was 10, he continued to rape them. Okay. Then groomed them to bring him other kids to rape. And when they got older, them and their friends turned against him. And I guess in retaliation raped his mother. That's. Um, he also, at that point says he got obsessed with young boys and girls. And he said, All I was, this sounds so medieval. It's this like there's just like there's it's just lawless. It is mind blowing. Yeah. Blowing that where was one adult that gave a single damn? Yeah. So he said that he was obsessed with younger boys and girls. Direct quote: I was a pimp and loved to pimp young stuff. Extreme trigger warning for the next slight paragraph. Um, and I will not go into detail on this, even though he did, and you will understand at the end of this paragraph. I'm gonna keep it as. As status quo as I can, and if you have a problem with that, I'm sorry. Research the letters for yourself. I refuse to read this part. He said that the teacher, you know, the one that raped him and groomed him and taught him all these 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 behaviors, lended him a press camera, and he learned to take family photos. And so he was then, you know, he'd take photos for money, and he would take photos of infants, telling the mothers how it was really cute to take pictures of their brand new infants with their clothes off with different props just like we still do today you always see the naked baby picture however he used these pictures for a whole nother reason let your minds wander there and if that's not bad enough if the mothers left the room for any reason he said that gave him license to do whatever he wanted to that infant oh my god and take photos while they were gone the direct quote is if the mother left the room, that infant was fair game. And that is all I will say on that matter. But there are a couple pages detailing what he did to newborn infants. I don't even want to know. No, I don't either. I, I refuse gonna, to read it. I'm not going to let my, my imagination Mm-mm. run because you're sick, sick son of a I'm t- I'm t- And I'm sorry. I'm and sorry. <laughs> this, this is not a known man. This is not a known serial killer. You want to know why? In my opinion. Because and, he's a pedophile. No. Because his court case was around the same time as, oh, let's see, O.J. Simpson's. So what takes precedent? The celebrity. 
So he went into detail about how he wanted to start pimping out other kids, and he had a plan. He focused on foster kids, runaways, adopted kids. That's who he started pimping out. So um, with all that, you know. Sorry. Sometimes Faith has to take a pause break for me. Oh, I, I because she knows that I'm a little bit um, vulgar when I get really upset, and so I give her the motion and I vent to her privately for a yes. moment. I calm down and we jump back in. So yeah. that I mean, was there's, that. There's no calming down. The fact that now I get his childhood was horrific, and I believe gruesome is the one that made this statement first. The podcast gruesome that it's okay to feel bad for the kid, but that doesn't excuse your behavior as an adult. I didn't go through his childhood, so you would to rationalize or excuse the fact with the photo situation that I'm not going into again are the fact that he then turned around and looked for vulnerable kids to pimp out. I'm telling you what, what created a monster. Yeah, absolutely it did. And that's why while there are varying degrees of supposedly quote unquote, what happened in his childhood, supposedly what happened in his childhood, something happened to this guy to severely damage his psyche. Absolutely. And make it to where he didn't care. So, um, we're going to get into another letter of his. Great. And this letter, um, I really, again, don't want to read, but it, it's going to lead into part two a lot. So, okay. And the language, I, okay, number one, this letter is going to make me very uncomfortable, so I'm just going to try to get through it. I'm not going to look Lisa at Lisa the entire time I read it. It's awkward. It's horrible. I don't like it. And I apologize for the language, even though I know most of you don't care. So this is about his his sex life, if you will, when he's an adult. And this letter is titled, My First Fuck with a Large Fat Woman. Awesome. So I'll tell you about my first fuck with a large fat woman. I was 17 years old and would fuck anyone with a tight pussy or with a pussy or tight anal. Especially real boys. Guess Pinocchio was out there. Uh, <sighs> I don't know why he says the things he says. I It makes me highly uncomfortable. Please okay. stop staring at me. Yep. She was the owner of a Chinese restaurant, and I was a dishwasher and driver. One night, she asked me to drive her to her apartment. When we arrived, she invited me in. Her big mistake. Once inside, I had my hands all over her. She said, you don't waste any time, do you? I was told she was going to slip into something more comfortable. I waited a few minutes, then walked into the bedroom. When I walked in, she was nude, so she laid down and I mounted her, and it was the worst fuck of my life. She sweated like a fucking hippo, and I mean she sweated so much it was like fucking water. What? I thought she would I thought I would slide off of her, and she just kept pleading for my cum. I punched the hippo and said, you're lucky I'm fucking you. You'll get my cum when I'm ready to give it to you. Then I put it in her ass. I called her a fat fucking whale and a hippo. And the worst fuck I ever had that I punched her in her huge breast. I got off her and she asked me if I'd spend the night with her. I told her I would do it on my own conditions. She had to crawl to me and lick my balls and then lick my dick. She said she would agree, but preferred to put her mouth around my dick because she'd never had one in her mouth before. Once she had my dick in her mouth, she was in for a big surprise. I slowly slid my big dick to the back of the slut's mouth, 
and gave her a serious face fucking to the point where she was choking and could barely breathe. Then I held her nose closed and buried her face in my groin until she swallowed all my cum, then hit her in the face and pushed her to the floor where I kicked her in the stomach twice. I told her to crawl into the bedroom and to get up and bend over. She didn't know what was happening until I pulled those large ash cheeks aside and she said, please feel not there. I didn't listen and continued. She begged and cried, asking me to stop. The pain was too much. But I held her still by the head of her hair and continued to sodomize her while beating her with my belt until welts were all along her. Then... I introduced her to bondage and torture. I got my pocket knife and severed her nipples and sliced the slut's pussy. I made her crawl all over her apartment, telling her she was my slut and slut sex slave. She begged me for one more session. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But this is his account of, uh, of his, his, his 17-year-old sex life. And while I want to say some of this is exaggerated, when we get to the victims in part two, story holds pretty true. And yeah, mm-hmm. she didn't press any charges. She didn't call the cops. You will find shockingly, shockingly, how many times and how long he goes because people don't press charges against this man. The only thing I can think. Honest to goodness, because I have been dwelling on this case for two weeks because I would do some research and, and, and quite literally, I'd have to take a break. Your brain can only handle being in the dark that much. And my brain couldn't. Like when I got to the point where it was too much, I stopped. Right. I took two weeks to write this and um, I had to stop several times just because it was, a, it was a bit much, quite frankly. No matter if you listen to it, you know, listen to it, you're watching it, or you're reading it, it's just too much. It's it's a whole freaking lot. But there are so many times that if someone would have pressed charges, but on the other hand, this is late 50s, early 60s in the United States of America. Yeah, I know. So. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I know. You know. And she was a foreigner, so I'm sure, I'm sure that made it much worse, yeah. right? Well, I would assume she was a foreigner. I uh, yeah, I don't know that that's well. She owned the Chinese restaurant, from what he said. Right, and I like. I mean, honestly, nowadays, most ownerships of an Asian restaurant are Asian. Yeah, so. but but more than that, she was a woman in the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, you were you, still supposed to yeah. remain pure till marriage. It was a shame on you and your family if you didn't. Most of the time, you'd be forced to marry your um your assailant. So that's why I think he got away with it so long. It was. The era. But anyway, um, in high school, he was part of, I want to get this word correct because I typed it too far up. He was a part of the Cadet Club, which is ROTC nowadays. Yeah. And in 1966, this monster um, graduated high school. Again, everything I've told you is like while he's in high school and younger. He's just now graduating high school. Um, he, he enlisted in 1966 in the Army. And uh, shipped off to Vietnam and ends up being an MP, which is a military police. Nice. So this monster now Give has a badge, power. handcuffs, and a gun in a foreign country Yay. during wartime. And they get away with a lot during wartime, let's just be real. Yes. So while in high school, before the military, he met a girl named Alice McGowan. 
So when he gets back from overseas, it's 1968, he and Alice get married. Once they're married, Alice lived with his parents for the first two months of their marriage while he was still on base back from overseas. That that household we talked about growing up, that's where he sent his new wife to live, his childhood, his high school sweetheart. Um, and then she um, followed Philip to Texas where he got stationed after he was released from overseas duty. According to Alice, when Philip returned from overseas, he was a changed man completely different he was a he was sweet and quiet when they were in high school he was very passive in their relationship mainly because he was apparently getting his aggression out everywhere else I was just gonna say because he was living a bipolar lifestyle like yes because remember all his friends in high school said he was anxious all the time and crying all the time and i think at that point he did still have a conscience i think he was so angry about what was happening this is all just my speculation and my hope i guess he was so angry about what was happening to him and what happened to him, and he had no control and he had no power. So he went for people weaker to the him than him and did the same thing he'd been taught. Correct. That does not excuse the behavior. Just a BT dubs. I know we all know that, but still. Um, Reiterate that over yes. and over. But she said when he came back, there was a different look in the eye and he was completely changed. She said he was really mean and she wasn't, sure if he was even really with it all the time like present okay but he just came back from vietnam that was not a good time for those i mean there was no quote-unquote ptsd you dealt with it and he already has extreme trauma yeah in his life so she said that when she moved to texas um to go with her husband he became extremely violent during sex one time she um recalls he put a pillow on her face trying to suffocate her Another time, he grabbed her by the throat and choked her until she lost consciousness. Another time, he came into the bathroom while she was taking a bath and attempted to drown her. There was another occasion when she was pregnant that he began to strangle her until his mother, pleading, talked sense into him and got her to stop attempting to kill his pregnant wife. Just to back up Alice's statements, not that I personally think that she's lying, this is a statement Philip made. I tried to murder Alice five times, once by drowning her, twice by strangling her, once with a cord, once with my bare hands, and twice by suffocating her, once with a pillow, the other with my bare hands. She's, she has survived my many attempts to murder her. Direct quote. Yep, direct uh, quote. I can't, like, what? No, 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 no. So November 19th. Seriously, like, this guy straight up right now. Mm-hmm. Based solely on his childhood, solely on the things that he's done. He is the pure definition of a lunatic. He's he's broken. There's there's nothing there anymore that's good. No. There's not one redeeming quality in this man. Your place in society, my friend? Nowhere. No. No. Um in November of 1968, remember, same year they got married. Alice leaves him, taking the kid with her. She um she could, would you stay? He tried oh. to kill you while you're pregnant. She got her kid and left like same year they got married. And uh, Phil quickly becomes involved with another woman named Jane Sanders. On their very first date, he raped her. She did not report it because it was the 60s again. Um, and instead, continued to see him for four years. Yep. Now, in this one, I think, I think this one is a little bit different because he had something on her. Now, their first date, he raped her, but that was not the first time they're met. You want to know their meet cute? No. Harley Quinn and the Joker. 
he was in a psych ward and she was the nurse taking care of him. When they got out, he asked her out. She became enamored with him. She went out and he raped her. But he had something on her, I think, um, to keep that up, right? Regardless, um, so she continues to see him for another four years. In 1969, a year later, Jane is pregnant with Philip's second child now because this man should reproduce. At this point, Philip leaves the military and relocates back to California, where his family's from. And they move in with his parents for a while and then move into their own house. Jane states that their sex life was extremely violent. Um, At one point in the middle of sex, she said that she wanted to stop. She didn't say why. But his um, answer to that was to hold a pistol to her head and say she better continue or else. Okay. Another time, he pistol whipped her in the middle of sex, causing her to become unconscious. And when she came back to, he was still having sex with her body. Another occasion, um, over her objection, strongly, he tied her to the bed during sex and then left her tied up there. He tried to smother her with a pillow during sex. She lost consciousness again. And again, when she became conscious, he was still having sex with her body. In 1972, at this point, she has two children, a boy and a girl, which I won't say their names because they don't need to be involved. They don't need to be mentioned. She made him so angry, he picked up a frying pan, a cast iron frying pan from the stove, which was on, full of hot boiling oil and threw it at her. Fortunately, he missed because you know how bad boiling water hurts. Yes, I do. Can you imagine boiling oil? He missed and starts to charge her. Jane does the only thing she can. She picked up that cast iron frying pan and hit him over the head, knocking him out cold. Thank you. She grabbed her kids and left and never looked back, which is, (laughs) that part's pretty good. Glad somebody gave it to him. Jeez. Well, the the problem is too many people gave it to him when he was young and made a monster. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So she, she beat him over the head with that. Pan knocked him out, grabbed her two babies, and holla. So then he meets uh, 1972. We're going to jump a little bit. Um, He's working as a salesperson for a company that uh, sells and trains security attack dogs. Nice. So this man has already been an MP with a license, handcuffs, and gun. Now he's got attack dogs. During his course of work. I really don't like where this story is going, and I don't want to listen anymore. Well, if it makes you feel better, we're almost done with part one. Yay! And we're still not even waist deep in the, oh, the crap. Faith. Um, he meets a woman named Marsh and her husband. He sells them two attack dogs. He delivers their dogs um, and teaches them how to handle. Delivers the dog to their home, teaches them how to handle their new dogs. In December 1972, they called him and said they were having an issue with one of the dogs. The command, something, I don't know. The husband says, I need you to come over. And, and help, assist, um, whenever you can is fine, but not this specific day, let's say, not Tuesday the 15th, because I've got to work late, can't be there, so any other day works, right? Guess when he decides to go over? Tuesday the 15th. Yep, that's when he does. So he walks into the house, and he sits down on the couch with Marsha, and he talks to her, listens to the issues with the dog that's happening. And whatever it was, he doesn't describe it, it's never described, but he says, here's the deal, this is what we'll do. I want you to go... And look out the window. Go to the bedroom window. Look out into the backyard. I'm going to take the dog outside. I want you to watch what I do with the dog. Watch how I handle the dog. Watch how my behavior is with the dog. 
and take some notes. That way you can mimic it and see how to fix it, right? I like where this is going. Perfect. So she goes to the bedroom window, looks out. He's not outside because he's coming up behind her and holds a knife to her throat that he got out of their kitchen, I'm assuming. Um, he tells her to undress. And if you don't, I'm going to kill your kids that are in the other room. She undresses. Of course. And he like pers- any woman would. Mm-hmm. He proceeds to rape her at knife point. And in the middle of sex, he takes the end of the knife and hits her in the face so hard he fractured her orbital bone as he continues to rape her. So if this is not enough for poor Marsha, he's not leaving anywhere when he's done. He's going to hang out for a little while with her and her eight-month-old baby in the room. And with that eight-month-old baby in the room, he ties Marsha's hands behind her back because he's, you know, ready to go again and anally rapes her. He tells her, my wife just left me. I don't know why I'm doing this, but now you could identify me. So what are we going to do? Right. Um, as he's telling her this, the dog starts going banana sandwiches outside. At first, I was like, you've got attack dogs. How is this happening? Trained attack dogs, but they were outside. So they were the do- also surrounded by the guy that trained them. Exactly. Well, he was the salesperson. He just knew the training. Okay. So the dogs start going crazy, and he says, here's the deal. Need you to go get the dogs and bring them inside. If you run, I'm going to kill this baby. I'm going to kill your other kid because they're staying inside with me. So go get the dogs, keep your mouth shut, and come back inside. And she does it. Hell no, she doesn't. She runs as fast as she can to her neighbor's house, bangs on the door. Because remember, fractured orbital bone. Right. There was no way for him to keep the secret. Runs to the neighbor. Beats on his door. This guy's Johnny on the spot. Comes outside. Now, it was a risky gamble on her part because we've already said what he does to infants. She doesn't know that, but she's left two very appealing victims for him. It was risky. But typically, when you're being attacked or whatever, if you can get away, you run and get help because they're cowards and they're going to run. Nine times out of ten. You would hope so. So she runs to her neighbor's house, beats on the door. Johnny on the spot has a shotgun in his hand. As he walks out of his house, Phil's trying to make a run for it. Cocks his shotgun and says, uh-uh, and holds that shotgun on him till police get there. Oh, so this story is going to take a turn for the better, right, right now? Like my favorite stories where he goes to, like, jail for 10 minutes and then gets released, right? We're going to get there. So... The cops get there, and he tells them, my wife just left me. I don't know why I did that. Don't know why, because that's an excuse. I, I've got a couple reasons why your wife left you, Bubbo. You want a list alphabetically? Worst to best, best to worst. What do you want? And we don't look into any of it either, right? Like, Actually, the, you know, um, he tells them when they're interrogating him, I, don't, I, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. Everything was blanked out for me. I just wasn't myself. I figure to myself, with a doctor's care and supervision, it would never happen again. That's his statement to the cops. So what do the cops do? They feel bad for him. Nope. They say there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. There's nothing abnormal. Abnormal, you look like every single victim, every single suspect we've ever had. Let's go to prison, Broham. Take him off. He actually does. Like, he gets, he gets, he gets put in prison for this. Yeah. How long? This is where we're going to leave it. No, no. How long? This is where we're going to leave it. No. He does not stay here, obviously, because part two, I said, this this episode pales in comparison to where we're we're going. we're in what, 72, you said? Uh, Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I think we are in 72. Yeah, 72. So we're finally getting to a place where there's more justice than there used to be. Yep. But not really as much as there should be. Yeah. But I'm going to bring it up with the case that I talked about last week, that the woman that molested the 15-year-old got 20 years. Yeah. I'm just going to throw well, that out there. 20 years. The deal is, on this case, I think that they're... Now, usually when we see somebody that keeps getting picked up by the cops, dropped off, picked up by the cops, dropped off type of deal, like, it's bullcrap that they get off. Like, there's no extenuating circumstances. Yeah, I agree. I think this guy's past plays heavily into, I think, the fact that he was a Vietnam vet, and obviously, mentally, he is unwell. He is not right mentally. There's nothing excuses what he's done. So, let's put him in prison for 10 minutes, and then release him back onto society knowing Knowing the guy's mentally unwell. Mm-hmm. This is where we're going to He's in prison. We're safe right now. Let's end on a safe note. I can't. And you can't research it because you've already promised. I won't, I, won't, I won't research anything, but I'm going to tell you right now that I'm behaving this week. I can't promise that next week. Because every fiber of my being right now mm-hmm. wants this guy to have, like, just mm-hmm. Judas's cradle, buddy. Mm-hmm. Like tie weights around him until he is completely split in half. In my in my in my I, opinion, I, there has never been anything. There's no torture that has ever been just for the fact that he said if the mothers left the room, that infant was fair game. You're done. There is nothing bad enough for you. You don't deserve to rot in prison. You don't deserve air. You just need to be put down like a rabid dog because that's what we do to rabid animals. Yeah. So yeah, dogs lose their minds. We put them down. Yeah. And it, and people are animals. And Sorry. there is no rehabilitation it, it, for this. No. There is none. There is none. I they've just... proven that. I'm sorry, but the government's proven that time and time again. Oh, 100 times over. 100 times over. How many times have we released these people that go right back into it? Uh-huh. And it was a case I discussed a little while back with dude that went to prison, and then he got, got released on good behavior, yep. right? Yep, yep, And then turns around, freaking kills a slumber party. Yep. Mm-hmm. They go into his house. And they don't do any research. Yep. And they they do nothing with it. No, nothing. Like, I I can't. Yeah. I just can't. I can't anymore. 2023. Yeah. This is. We are becoming a bunch of freaking fairies. And. uh, Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. It's like the guy from Louisiana says, um, oat drinking avocado taste eating. Like, let's see what I says. Snowflakes. That's what we all are. Woke, avocado, toast-eating, oat milk-drinking, can't-handle society. I love him. I don't know. Is that Lindsay or something? Yeah, okay. the guy from, um, I don't know his name, but well, he's yeah, hysterical. Like, I'm not saying this is a, as, a, as a Democrat or a Republican nope. either way. You look at a case like this, and sympathy for somebody like that is not, like, what? why do they deserve it? Well, the thing is, I feel in the bottom of my heart, like don't do the core of me. What Philip as a child went through. I feel for him. I agree. I hate that he went through that. I, there's no justification of even the night stalker you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like he bashed his head. How many times when he was a kid? Yeah. And you know, that's got to do some stuff to you right at some point, like whatever. It still doesn't like, okay. Again, again, I'm going to come off crude. I'm going to come off as like maybe a, a Neanderthal, I guess. I don't know. But your true self, your your place in society when you do stuff like that is not based on your mental state. 
No, it's not, not. not. It's it's. There it, is no justification. None. Like there are things I can I can understand. Okay, when you get into a fight with somebody, and you guys are going blow for blow. Yeah. And you take one wrong shot and you kill somebody. That wasn't you didn't do it on purpose. You know what I'm saying? He intentionally. When you're somebody and you're like, okay, like him, perfect prime prime example, the teacher. Okay, so he's in this in this boat right now, being abused. Yeah. Physically, mentally, sexually, sexually. Okay, and by someone who's supposed to teach him. Yeah, and he turned around one day and like stabbed him in the neck with a pencil. Justifiable. Dude died. Yeah, he died. Yeah. At that point, I could look at that kid and be like, I would have too. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Like, but when, when you're suffering through all of this stuff, and I get it, I understand yeah. that not all brain waves function on the same level. There's fight or flight, and a lot of people are fight, and a lot of people are flight. And, and a lot I of totally, people are freezing. I totally understand that. Yeah. But what I'm telling you, the moment you cross that line for yourself, it is a no holds bar. And whatever happens to you in society is your fault. My thing that it's it is a psychological phenomena to me. I like how you said that the right way instead of the joke that we have, but whatever. Yeah, it is. I cannot ra- wrap my feeble mind around the fact little Philip, who was raped, molested, pimped out, beaten, he hated every moment of that. Yeah, could do it to somebody else. I don't understand that, and it's so. Common. And I'll jump backwards a little bit and say, I don't understand. Honest to God, I do not understand how any human being, any human being, I don't care if you're a woman. I know exactly what you're going to say. I don't care if you're a man, can look at a situation with a kid and you're just okay with this? Nope. I have to be honest. Like, I know, I know what fear. No, I know fear. Okay. My fears are totally different than a lot of other people's fears, but fear is fear. Okay. Yes. Everybody has the things that, that, that cripple them when you get confronted with Hundo. it. Okay. But even if I had to live under the bridge with my kid to get away from someone, I would. Yeah. Especially if it came to abuse and, and molestation. Well, that's what Janice, his second second partner that had the two kids with him, the yep. frying pan lady. Yeah. She said that her biggest fear was one day he was going to go too far when he choked her. And beat her, and he was going to kill her, and her children were going to be left with him. Yeah. Like, she was looking for an out. Yeah. But it's also the most dangerous when you're leaving. We know that. And there weren't a lot of resources for women in that day and age with children. Yeah. So she, I mean, she didn't have a lot of options. She was was trying, but she was terrified of that. And when he threw that pan at her, that was it. That was her final straw. She knocked him out cold with that pan and took her babies and ran. That's right. Is the only good part of this whole story. I'm going to tell you. Uh, well, I'm going to say it like uh, 9-11 was recent, right? And Ish, so yeah. all through like TikTok and stuff, there were, you know, the, all the stories about everything that happened in 2011 or uh, I'm sorry, not 2000, 9-11. Yeah. And it was talking about the people and they had a choice. And I feel like all of these circumstances that we all face in life, you always have a choice. You do. And their choice was death. Either way. Yeah. Either way. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like in some of, in, in this particular, where you said she whacked him and she ran. Yeah. And she didn't really care what happened after that. Because like, at that point. 
they, they they were all faced with the same choice, and I feel like in a situation like that, yeah. all of all of the women are a hundred. Like you're you are faced with a choice. They can, like you can die by the fire, yeah, or you can die by the by the ground by the fall, yeah, right. And it's a good. It's yeah. gonna hurt worse if you stay in the fire. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's gonna hurt worse. That's a really crappy analogy based solely on like. But it's I'm recent not saying death. I'm not saying death is the end result. Right? No, but at because that there point, are a lot of people that could go find help, and but sometimes, but if you're you don't struggle after the if fact, you don't right? think you have another choice, yeah, if you think you're gonna die either way, which way is the le- the, the least, lesser evil, the least painful death? And I think that that was the situation he was in. I know in. that analogy is a little far fetched, and it's not. But to me, I believe that suicide is wrong. But in a situation like that, when you know you're not going to be saved, and I could either have my skin melted off or yeah. I could just plummet to my death, I think I just plummet to my death. Who knows? I don't know. I'm what... the opposite. I don't. I'm too afraid to jump. Well, that's high. That's either here nor there. And I think if you were you were faced with the flames, you know what I mean. Again, fight yeah. or flight, Faith. And our freeze. God willing. God willing. God I'm willing. Freezing. Yeah, you're still going to burn alive. No, you die from the car, but you die from the smoke inhalation. Pass out for the flames to get you nine not, times. Not out with of the majority of these people that the yeah. flames were standing behind them. I just, I'm so. just saying, wow. Like, and this is not, can't, honestly, it's And this, I, like, can I just throw out here? I am not criticizing women that deal with this on a daily no. basis. It has nothing this is, and pain in my heart for you. No, because I, I like, I, I get it. Yeah. Like, I, I am blessed with family. That if I turned around tomorrow and told either one of my brothers that something bad was going on in my relationship, they'd beat the crap out of him. My boyfriend would cease to exist, right? Like, not everybody has that option. And it's the same in your family. Yeah. Not everybody has that option. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, for your sake and for the kid's sake, how much punishment are you going to be willing to go through before that? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, now I just feel like I'm sticking my foot in my face. I know. So, I know what you mean. And people who've listened know what you mean. But yeah, because I'm not good at. You know what you want to say, but you can't get it out. I do that all the time. Yeah, I've been training with a guy all week. Yeah. At, at work who came from the shop and he actually injured his back. So he's been helping me out. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll just sit there and I'll say something to him. And he looks at me and he'll be like. Now, now tell me like you're talking to a kindergartner, Lisa, because clearly, and I'm like, no, no, bro, it's not you. It's me. This no. is literally, I say all I the time, spit the fact either to my clients or to my employees. Like I'll explain something. I'm like, now in my head, that made sense. Did what come out of my mouth make sense? <laughs> right, right. And they'll tell me yes or no. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, we're not even to the bad part of this story yet. Have you ever heard of worse? Like, this is, I'm, yes, I'm not, there's not a great I'm going to tell scale, you why. This is horrific. I'm going to tell you why this, this feels worse, okay? Mm-hmm. For a couple reasons. Why? Okay. First reason, he's doing it to kids. Infants. I don't like. That's why it's worse. Yeah. That taps because it out. Because when you talk about pure, yeah, 100% innocence, yeah. yeah, you would look at a baby, okay? Nope, I would not. And I'll That's tell you right now, right there. If I no, ever had saying, another baby, but, there will never be a naked photo of that child taken. I I never took a naked child, uh, naked photo of my son. I don't I don't like it. I don't I don't think it's appropriate. Not not based yep. on the fact of like you know oh I don't think it's appropriate you know because he's nude or it, it's innocent and I get it. 
Yeah. And, you know, babies will, like, you know, breastfeed. Yeah. There's nothing perverted about that. No. But there yeah. are people out there that are perverted. That make it perverted. Yeah. That's why. So, I'm going to leave this here. No, you're a whore. I'm going to leave this here. I he's, don't like you. He's in prison. Everyone's safe and sound mm. for now. And for those listening, in 24 hours, we'll pick right back up. Lisa, okay. you got a few days to recuperate. I feel like you're just giving me a few days to come up with the perfect punishment. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be Googling. <laughs> I'm going to be Googling. Uh, what's yeah. the best way to torture someone? Yeah. What sounds great? Yeah. Okay, guys. That's I'm not saying that I won't Google that. I'm just saying that <laughs> I may or may not tell you about it. I don't know. Oh, well, for tonight, <sighs> that is all, guys. Go go do some meditation, some yoga, watch trash TV. Do what you need to do to clean yourself and get ready to buckle up for part two in 24 hours. Bye. Bye. <laughs>